Uh, so yeah, we began last week in the season of Lent, and I told you um, uh, last Sunday that over these next few weeks we're going to be taking a look at several spiritual practices, uh, several spiritual disciplines that are drawn from both our uh, uh, Wesleyan Methodist tradition historically, uh, but also they happen to be mentioned very specifically during our Ash Wednesday services, and they're kind of areas that are, that are, that are really of personal focus. As we, uh, as we go through this season of Lent. And those six practices are repentance, self-denial, prayer, fasting, reading and meditating on Scripture, and self-examination. A lot of those are kind of related, a, lot of, a little bit intertwined, but we'll talk about that later. So last week we talked about repentance. And this week we're going to focus on this idea or this practice or this discipline of self-denial. What does that mean? What does it, what does it mean to deny ourselves? Uh, exactly how do we put that into practice? Well, Jesus actually talked a lot about this throughout the scriptures. And uh, one of those uh, incidents is found in our uh, scripture today from Mark chapter 8. It's just two little verses, verses 34 and 35. <clears throat> and more than likely, this is if you've been in church any amount of time, this is probably one of the most well-known pieces of scripture where Jesus speaks directly to this subject of, of self-denial. If y'all will, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. And again, this is Mark 8, 34 and 35. <clears throat> After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. That's the Word of God for the people of God. All who want to come, y'all can have a seat. All who want to come after me must say no to themselves. A lot of translations, a lot of Bible translations uh, that are out there will, will use these words. All who want to come after me must deny themselves. Must say no to themselves or must deny themselves. They're interchangeable. They mean the, they mean the exact same thing. So what's happening here is these verses actually come right after Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And it's really the first time that Jesus kind of explains to them, hey, I'm going I'm to die. I'm going to be executed. And I'm going to be raised from the dead uh, three days later. So this comes immediately after uh, Jesus talks about that. And while he's talking to his disciples about that, he call, evidently he calls this other crowd uh, over there to him. So there's this large crowd that's gathered around Jesus at this time, and this is one of his teachings. Um, so again, this is one of the many, many areas in the Bible that speaks to this idea of, uh, of denying ourselves. Especially, you know, this idea is so very prominent, especially in the New Testament. Even though maybe those exact words, you know, deny yourself, may not be present in every instance of Scripture, the idea and the theme is certainly there. Scripture is absolutely saturated with it, absolutely saturated. And I'm really pretty comfortable um, telling you guys or, or stating that denying oneself really is the very foundation of what it means and what it looks like to be disciples, uh, to be followers of Jesus. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of that. And it's one you've heard before. Um, but uh, let's just start with a couple of verses where we talk about Jesus talks about denying yourself without exactly using those words, deny yourself. And these couple of verses are verses y'all have heard me repeat time and time and time again over these last several years. But it looks like this. This is the, this is the story. This is the, the verses from the Bible. So when Jesus was asked one time by a legal expert, in, in other words, somebody who knew all about the, uh, the Jewish law, in other words, all of the commandments of the Old Testament, 
they ask, this person asks Jesus, what's the most important of these? What is the most important of all these 613, I think it is, 600 plus commandments, instructions that we find in the Old Testament? And Jesus replied this, most of y'all ought to know this by heart. He said, the most important is this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he completed it by saying, all of the law, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The Apostle Paul says exactly, or at least nearly exactly the same thing in his letter to the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5. He writes, the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of these laws, all of these commandments that we find in the Bible can be broken down into these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love people. Now, I realize that I have been here for some time now. And I'm getting a little more comfortable with you guys. But after being here for some time now, some of y'all are probably wondering why Jerry always brings this up at some point. Why does the preacher always seem to bring things back around to loving God and loving neighbor? Does he just run out of material and not know what to say? Why does it seem like you, pastor, somehow manage to elude at least to loving God and loving neighbor, if not every week, at least probably every other week anyway? Because here's the thing, church. Even though we may hear it every week, even though we may hear it every other week, whatever, we walk out the door and we forget about it. We walk out the door and we forget about it, and we need that constant reminder that this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what Christ calls us to. This is what we hope to be. This is what we hope to become. But we're people. And we have short-term memory issues, especially when it comes, especially when it comes to getting out into the quote-unquote real world and actually interacting with other people. Easy to talk about in the sanctuary, not so easy to put into practice every day. And I get that, I understand it, I live that. So yeah, I like to remind myself, and I like to remind you guys, this is what we're all about. So that's why I bring that scripture up constantly, very, very, very often. Every week we walk out of here and we forget it. Here's the thing, you know, I've got about 20 minutes with most of you. Most of you. Every week. I've got about 20 minutes with you. So if some of y'all happen to participate regularly in our small groups, some of our small groups, it might be a little bit more time. But the rest of the week, all six days and 23 hours and 20 minutes, you are being influenced and you are being inundated by a world that is giving you the exact opposite message. The message that life is not about God. The message that life is not about loving others. But the message that life, in fact, is about you. That life's about me. That's the message of the world. That's the message of culture. That's the message of society. Life is about looking out (coughs) for number one. I've heard that since I was a kid. My, my, my parents were Christians, but I still heard this message. Life is about looking out for number one, even at the expense of others. It's about popularity. It's about social status. It's about material accumulation. It's about taking advantage of people. If 
it means that I might benefit from it in some way. It's about being right, no matter the cost or who might get hurt by that, because our opinions much matter much more than other people and the sanctity of other people. And this is the one that kind of breaks my heart, and, and this, this is the one thing, I'll be honest with you, that, that discourages me probably more than anything else uh, that I see happening today. Um, it's about degrading people. It's about disparaging people. It's about insulting people. It's about mocking people, dehumanizing people who we might disagree with, people who are people who are different than us. It's a, it's a devaluing of humans, of human beings. It's a devaluing of people who are created by God and who are created in God's very image. When this happens to us, when, when, when we see this occur, when we participate in this, it takes away people's worth and it takes away people's dignity. And I just got to tell you, to be honest with you, church, this has to be the most obvious thing that I see so many Christians today engaging in. And we shouldn't do that. And if you don't think that I'm speaking truth about this, turn on your favorite cable news channel or scroll through your social media feed for about 10 minutes. Probably won't take, it'll probably take you about two. This is discouraging to me. This is not a lifestyle that reflects self-denial. This is not a lifestyle that reflects loving God and loving people with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matter of fact, it's the exact opposite of that. We love to be right. There's something about us. There is something about our egos where we just have to throw our opinions out there sometimes. We can't stand not to give people our opinions. We can't stand because that's a societal thing too. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you what I think. And we will do that, church. I don't care for Christians or non-Christians. We will do it just as badly and just as much as the people outside the church. Because my opinion matters. What I think matters. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, and I don't care if it hurts your feelings. I don't care if it degrades you. I don't care if it dehumanizes you. I don't care if it makes you out to be a lesser human being than the human being that God created out to you. Y'all know good and well that I'm speaking truth. That discourages me probably more than anything that I see today. That is not self-denial. That is not loving God. That's not loving other people. Is it more important, church, for us sometimes to be right than it is to be purveyors of the light of Christ? Ask yourself that. Next time you get all up in arms with a person or with a group of people or whatever, is it more important for me to express my opinion and be hurtful more than likely to somebody or some group of people? Or is it more important sometimes for me to just keep my mouth shut and be a purveyor of the light of Christ? Is it more important that we speak ill of other people is it more important that we get in those jabs, that we get in those insults, than it is for us to be the ambassadors of Jesus on earth? This is the hard stuff for us to think about, and every dang one of us engages this to some degree or another. I have. I'm going to lie to you. I'm not better than y'all. I've done it. I've caved into it before. But y'all, we've got to ask ourselves, what do non-Christians think? 
What do non-Christians think when they see us engaging in this type of behavior? Well, they ain't no different than us, man. They're not loving. They're not kind. That's the thing. You know, I've seen, there, I, I've seen over the years, I've seen all kinds of, 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 of surveys and, and tests um, that have come out. Y'all can look these up on the Internet. One of, one of them is from a group called the Barna Group. The Barna Group does a lot of, these, a lot of this research. Uh, but I've seen a lot of these research results over the years, and they all say the same thing. You know, but they'll, but they'll basically say, you know, they'll ask, for example, they'll ask non-Christians, why don't you come to church? Or they'll ask former Christians, uh, why do you no longer go to church? What is it about the church that keeps you away from the church? And the num it may not be the number one thing every time, but it's in the doggone top three every time. They find it unbelievable that we look nothing like the Jesus we claim to worship. That is always within the top three answers. My experience at the church is that they do not mimic the Jesus that they claim to worship. Every single time, y'all look up the Barna Group. Y'all can find y'all can find those results all, all day long. They've been doing them. They've been doing them for years. What matters more to us? What's more important to us, church? And this is self-denial. This is a prime example of self-denial. Loving other people with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is the ultimate expression of self-denial. All of these things that I just mentioned, all of these things are, are egos that force us, that, that make us believe that our, our opinions are more important than, than, the, uh, than loving other people, that being right is more important than other people, this idea that society pushes on us, that, that the important thing is not other folks is not God, but it's, but it's me. It's about my materialism. It's about my social status, my popularity, my bank account, all that stuff. All of these things, folks, all of these things that I just mentioned are absolute polar opposites of the gospel that was preached, of the gospel that is preached by Jesus Christ. It's a gospel that emphasizes service. It's a gospel that emphasizes connectedness to other people. It's a gospel that emphasizes over and over and over again giving oneself, giving oneself for the sake of other people. Jesus said that the greatest of those among us, now tell me this doesn't, this doesn't fly in the back of what society tells us. Jesus says the greatest among us are those who are humble. Those of us who live in humility, in humble self-denial, in humble service to other people. Y'all remember how the Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. You know what the world, you know what the culture, you know what the society around us doesn't value? Meek, merciful peacemakers who recognize their need for God and who live out their lives from a posture of placing the needs and the good of others before themselves. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not lie to ourselves. Whether or not we like it, whether or not we even realize it sometimes, we are influenced by people, we are influenced by ideas, we are influenced by behaviors that just do not line up with our call to self-denial, with our call to committed love and with our call to service to others. Y'all have heard me say this a million times, y'all. We ought to stand out like crazy in the world. 
we ought to stand out. How did Jesus, y'all have to answer this, but how did Jesus tell his disciples that the world would know them? They will know you by your love for one another. That's how the world should know us. It's not about our self-righteous morality, but we should love people like crazy, and it should just be so painfully obvious how we do give up ourselves, how we do deny ourselves for the sake of other people, for the sake of the community, for the sake of the world around us, how we do not engage in these nasty, ugly, self-righteous behaviors. You know, I preach stuff like this, and I talk about stuff like this, and, and, and the question always comes up. It, it, it never fails. Well, Jerry, we're not, we're not meant to just, just to let people walk all over us. I'm going to disagree with that to a degree. I'm going to disagree. I think it's okay to let people walk all over me sometimes. If it represents the humility of God, if it represents the humility of Jesus, I'm, I'm okay being taken advantage of from time to time. I'm, I'm good with that. Because I'm reflecting through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit, what Jesus called us to be. I think that other thing's just a bunch of ego, too. What is it about me that thinks that I have to get back at somebody? We don't like the hard teachings of Jesus. We don't like the hard teachings of Christ that goes against our own ego, our own own sense of self-preservation. This is difficult stuff. This is not easy stuff. And we're influenced by it so much, y'all. We're influenced by it so much, and this is why, that's why I'm trying to drive this home this morning. And I'll get to it in a second. First thing you got to do, first thing we need to do is we need to acknowledge this. <clears throat> we need to, we, we need, if you want to get beyond this, if we want to get beyond these things, First of all, we have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge the fact that it's real. We have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we're, we don't live up to Christ's standard. And a lot of times we're not representing Jesus in the world by our, through our lack of love and through our lack of self-denial. Self-denial can take a million forms. There's no way I could even come close to preaching on all the examples of what it looks like to, uh, to practice self-denial, <clears throat> even though I've hit on a couple here. We have to acknowledge the fact that we, are be, that we are influenced by things other than Jesus, and those things not only influence us, those things shape and those things form us all day long. Like I said at the beginning of the sermon, you can come here and you can listen to me for 20 or 25 minutes, 40 on a good day, on a bad day. <laughs> y'all can come to you know, a Bible study, y'all can come to a small group, a life group, whatever, y'all can come to dinner church, but still... The most exposure you're going to get to your church community within a week is going to be what five hours tops. So the remainder of the six, the remainder six and a half days, you're being influenced by other stuff. You may very well get on your knees in the morning. You very well, very well spend a lot of time with God in prayer, meditation, and that's wonderful. The fact remains is the majority of the time we are operating outside of that. We're not we're not in church. We're not in the in the mindset of, of worshiping God. And we're being influenced by people, whether we're at work, whether we're at school, whether we're at home, wherever. And that forms us, and that shapes us, and 
that molds us. It, it, it works. It, it's, it's, it's a psychological thing, for one, but it's also a spiritual thing. The stuff that we take in is going to form us interiorly. Okay, so if I'm taking in Jesus, you know, that's a good thing. But if I'm taking in some, some other stuff that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't quite line up with Jesus, am I going to allow that to influence me? Am I going to allow that to influence my relationships? Am I going to allow that to influence the way that I love or the way that I don't love or the way that I express love or fail to express love with people? And then what's more important to me? First thing we have to do is acknowledge that we're influenced, that we are we are influenced, and whether we like it or not, we are heavily influential. We are subject to being influenced by sources that do not line up with Christ. Second thing we need to do is we need to identify those things and we need to name them. What are these things in my life? What are these what are these ideas? Who are these people? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera that are in my life, that I'm allowing into my life, that is shifting my heart away from being able to love people with all my heart and from being able to practice self-denial and turning me towards something else, turning me towards something a little bit more selfish, a little more self-preserving, so to speak, a little more egotistical. Identify those things and name them. There are things in our lives that are always pushing and pulling us away from being able to love God and being able to love others. Am I buying into Jesus' call to self-denial or am I buying into this me-first mentality, this me-first way of life? Third thing you need to do, third thing we have to do, once we're able to name them, once we're able to pinpoint these influences, these people, these ideas, whatever, we got to kick them out of our lives. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do. And I get that. But getting rid of things that are not good for us is all about, is what Lynn is all about to a certain degree. That's why we practice fasting. That's why we practice self-denial. All the repentance, all of these practices that we're talking about. Once we identify these things in our lives that are preventing us, that are inhibiting us from being able to love people, from being able to practice self-denial, we have to kick them out of our lives. If it's urging me away from the gospel, if it's urging me away from the clear teachings of Christ, it is an unhealthy influence, and it needs to go. Sandy and I do not watch cable news. We have not watched cable news in years because it makes us mad, and it makes us have feelings towards people that we shouldn't have. And I, I'm not talking about your life. I don't know your life. I'm giving you an example from my own life. We haven't watched it in years because it produced feelings in us that it shouldn't produce. And it made me prejudiced towards certain people, towards certain groups. And it made me have feelings that were not Christ-like. So we cut that nonsense out of our lives. And our lives have been better. Our relationships with people have been better. The way that I view other people outside of my home that I normally, it said one time in my life, may have had some prejudice against. My relationships with those folks and the, the, the way that I feel about those folks is better. I'm able more to see people in the image of Christ just as who they are. They're just people. They're just people. They're people created in the image of God just like me. No better, no worse, no nothing. They're human beings who are deserving of love. Human beings who are deserving of the love of Christ through me, because we are what Christ has on earth. 
We are the only vessels that God has on earth to show the love of Christ is us. Is us. If it's influencing you, away from feelings of love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all these fruits of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians 5, get it out of your life. Get it out of your life. But there's a problem there. It becomes an addiction. It's hard to get rid of addictions. Some of these things that, are, that we're engaging in, some of these things that are influencing us, they become addictions. And that's why they're so doggone hard to quit. Once something becomes an addiction, it becomes what? It becomes an idol. It becomes an idol. It becomes something that's more important to us than God. Something that is more important to us than God. Something that is more important to us than practicing self-denial. No, I'm not going to watch that anymore. No, I'm not going to hang out with that person either. Anymore. Sometimes you do have to distance yourself from relationships. That's okay. Because they're turning me away from Jesus. These ideas, these things that I'm letting into my mind. These people even. You gotta get it out of your life. I know this is hard stuff, y'all, but this y'all can come on up. <clears throat> this is uh that's what Lent's all about, man. That's what Lent is all about. I mentioned it a what mentioned a second ago. It's about these, these weeks leading up to Easter where we're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. These weeks that are leading up to that day, they are all about cleaning out the garbage in our lives. They are all about cleaning out the garbage that has accumulated within, our, within the, the re deepest recesses of our souls. All of this garbage that prevents us, that inhibits us from being able to love people, from being able, from wanting to practice this idea of self-denial. About, it's about recognizing all that stuff. It's about repenting of all that stuff and clearing all that stuff out of our lives, clearing that stuff that, that prevents us from being and from becoming You know what Jesus has called us to be. Again, that's a tough message, man. I get it. I know it. I'm not going to tell you that I'm any better than you because I'm not. But, y'all, here's the thing, and, and I'm going to shut up. I want people to see Jesus in me. That is my biggest hope in the world. When I die, I just turned 48 yesterday, by the way. If I make it to 80, if I make it to 70 or 90, whatever, however old I wind up being when I die, that's how I want to be remembered. And that's it. Good dad. Good husband. Somebody who really loved Jesus. Somebody who really reflected Jesus. And I know I'm nowhere close to being there. And I want this church to be like that. I want God's church worldwide to look like that. <clears throat> because there is a problem. There is a problem when we look in our behavior and in our words and our mindsets, when we look more like, you know, the world than we do the church. And I want to stand out. I want, to, I want us to stand out like that. I want us to stand out like Jesus said we would stand out. Not because we're a bunch of prudes. Not because we're a bunch of moral specialists but because of the crazy way that we love people, the crazy way that we, that we, that we set ourselves aside, our own interests aside for the benefit and for the sake of others. How awesome would that be? 